Welcome in! This is Farzcast. My name is Farzine Vesugian. And we are back! We are back! Hope you guys are doing well. Uh, took a bit of a break from this podcast uh, for several weeks, with the exception of one podcast uh, that I did, which I'll get into in a moment. But yeah, just, just wanted to uh, take some time away from the podcast. Uh, we were really busy in the month of June, had a lot of great guests, uh, and decided to kind of take a break from it for a while. I know so many people say uh, they announce when they want to take a break from something on social media or whatever they're doing, but they never really mean it. They come back right away. But I never felt the need to announce uh, to anyone, you know, I'm going to take a break with the podcast or anything. Uh, just silently did it. Um, like I said, there was one exception. I'll get into that shortly. But yeah, man, uh, just wanted to uh, ease up a bit, uh, not do the podcast for a while after having so many guests in June. Uh, and that was a lot of fun to do. A lot of great guests from various uh, industries, uh, sports, reality, TV, media, whatever. Uh, a lot of fun to do. So hopefully you guys uh, got a chance to listen to some of that um, in the last, uh, what, it's been six weeks since we've last done a podcast? I uh, can't remember. So been a while, been a while. Hope you guys are doing well. Uh, since I lasted a podcast, I was in Las Vegas, which... Anyone who knows me knows I go a few times a year. Been forever since I last went. And, you know, it's kind of funny with this pandemic. You know, a lot of people haven't traveled in quite some time. And, you know, people in the last few uh, weeks, last couple of months, have been traveling for the first time in a while now. I mean, things are, I don't even know what to say. But uh, you forget a little bit, you know, about how to pack and all all the the simple shit that you forget to do. Like, Like, it's... It's basic stuff, like you've done it so many times, but then you forget it after not doing it for a year and a half. Uh, funny how that works. Uh, but yeah, uh, went to Vegas, uh, and you know, I, I love the city, man. Uh, I can't say nothing but good things about the city. Okay, I mean, there might be a couple things I don't like or don't recommend. Um, I mean, it's obviously labeled as a city that never sleeps. So many great things to do there. So many great places to eat, drink. Uh, go out for entertainment, whatever, man. Um, love the city. Uh, if I ever won the lottery, I, I certainly would uh, would not mind making that my second home. Uh, that's how much I love the city, man. Uh, a lot of fun. Uh, but uh, had a chance to go there. Uh, again, you know, kind of what I was saying about packing. You kind of forget about how certain things look or certain directions, where to go here and there. You forget about that stuff. Um, when it's been way too damn long, and you know, like I said, Vegas is one of the places I consistently go to because um, it's my favorite city in the world. So that was a lot of fun, uh, a lot of fun to go back. I'm actually supposed to be going in a couple of weeks, hopefully. Um, look, you guys, know, whatever is going to happen in the next couple of weeks or even beyond that, your guess is as good as mine. I have no idea what to expect. I really don't at this point, uh, but... I don't think anyone does, no matter who you are or what you do, whether you're an expert at this or not, but neither here nor there. Uh, Also, I mentioned this on uh, my uh, Facebook and Twitter pages. I went to the Auschwitz exhibit. My mom told me about this, and uh, she looked up tickets. We went as a family, uh, my parents, my brother, and I. uh, This was an incredible exhibit in uh, Union Station, and apparently this is... Only one of two spots in the United States 
that has it. I don't know where the other one is. Kansas City, obviously, uh, Union Station being in downtown Kansas City has it, but I don't know where the other location is. I wish things like this should be available to a lot of places. Because I'll tell you what, man, no matter what movies you've seen that have to do with the Holocaust or what documentaries you've watched, uh, what books you've read, what you've learned in school, hey, don't get me wrong, those are all very valuable, but there are a lot of things you learn um, in, in this exhibit that you did not know before. And I've always said, look, it's important to know about history, Um whether it's political history, sports history, art history, uh, world history, uh, it's important to know. And obviously the Holocaust, one of the uh, biggest moments, uh, bad moments, uh, the biggest, I shouldn't say one of it, it is absolutely the darkest moment in our world's history. And there are a lot of really uh, dark stories that you hear uh Definitely moving, for sure. I highly recommend this, man. Look, you guys got to go. Uh, if you're in the Kansas City area or if you're going to make it sometime uh, within the next few months, apparently they're going to have it until early 2022. So it's going to be here for at least another, what, five, six, seven months. Not exactly sure when their exact final date will be, but it is 100% worth it. It's probably going to be about an hour and a half to two hours. So what they do is they give you like a smartphone type of device and there's basically like a, the smartphone is basically like a tour guide. They give you headphones and then you basically just explore and as you're, they do a good job of putting numbers in certain spots. It gets a little confusing at some point, but uh, you basically have, uh, you can basically hit the button. So if you're at, you know, station one, well, you simply just hit number one in your, um, in your uh, smartphone, uh, not your actual smartphone, the one they give you, and you basically listen along and check out, you know, whatever photos they have, whatever uh, is there, uh, some uh, items from the Holocaust, uh, from Auschwitz, uh, and it, it's a really uh, great exhibit. I highly recommend it. Definitely go. Uh, like I said, it's an hour and a half to two hours if you want to listen to every single story. Um, I don't. I didn't want to skip anything, especially you know when you're paying for this, and this is not something they'll ever have ever again. So definitely take full advantage and uh, take in everything that they give you because it is very good. It's worth it. Uh, by the way, uh, I just so the two drinks I've been waiting to come out in Kansas City. Finally have come out. I finally got my hands on them. One of them, I've been waiting three years to try this. The Stone Cold Steve Austin beer. The uh, Broken Skull IPA beer from uh, El Segundo. And part of me at one point wondered, like, why is it taking so long? Because someone like Conor McGregor, who was able to get his whiskey out in shelves everywhere in a very short amount of time. I mean, he was able to get it pretty quickly. And honestly, it's it's not really the greatest... Uh, drink uh, out there let's just put it that way uh i kind of wondered with uh stone cold's beer you know why is it not out yet where i am uh and finally it came out but it's only on the missouri side of kansas city if you go to their website el segundo's website it'll actually give you the list of the stores that have them now i did call to verify and for whatever reason the person 
that answers the phone, they don't, the, the actual like regular employees, it doesn't, they would look it up in their system and it doesn't come up. And I go, are you sure? It's on El Segundo's website. They're like, uh, call back uh, and ask for the beer manager. So I did exactly that. And then the beer manager, he was on top of it and knew exactly what I was talking about. So I'm not sure why it's not in their system. Because if you're going to call and ask to double check, make sure there's something in stock because you don't want to drive all the way and just to show up and see they don't have it or never had it in the first place. Uh, kind of weird. I don't know how, how that all works. But finally came in Kansas City. I'm telling you right now, this is the best IPA I've ever had. I actually went and got a case because I don't know if they're going to be able to get a lot of shipments of, of this drink uh, on a consistent basis, basis. So I got enough for football season. Uh, everyone knows my favorite beer is Tank 7. And then also the um, Lemon Rattler, both of, both of them for Boulevard. I'm telling you, man, the Tank 7 and the IPA, Stone Cold's IPA, my two favorite beers, 100%. So check it out if you haven't. The other drink, I've been waiting for a year to try this. If you guys saw Last Chance You, Seasons 3 and 4, of course you remember that was in Independence, Kansas, and the head coach there was Jason Brown, who's become a good friend of mine. He's been on the podcast a couple of times. We've gotten to really know each other outside of the podcast, too. Really, really good guy, uh, despite what you see on TV. Uh, I know he, he says he gets a lot of criticism. Uh, people judge him for the way they saw him on TV, which is kind of funny. Uh, hearing some of the stories he's uh, told about some of the criticism he's received. But he's got a uh, his own line of whiskey called Slapdick Whiskey. Now, if you guys saw the show, you, you've you heard the term Slapdick. His podcast is called the Slapdick Podcast. Uh, he's also got a, a cigar called Slapdick. But anyway, I, I'll tell you what. I'll be honest with you guys. I told Jason, uh, you know, uh, as soon as I get my, ha- my hands on the beer or, or the whiskey, excuse me, I'll promote it. Even if I don't like it, I'll still uh, plug it because, hey, look, I'm not a big whiskey guy. So maybe there was a chance that I would not really enjoy the whiskey. So I told him, you know, even if I don't like it, I'll still go out there and uh, and give it a plug for you uh, because he's done a lot for me. He, he He's mentioned my podcast multiple times, uh, told his followers to follow me. I didn't even know he was going to do that. Uh, I just listened to his podcast uh, and multiple times he's... <laughs> Mentioned my podcast on there, which is really cool. So I always appreciate him uh, doing that. Uh, but I'll tell you what. I finally tried his whiskey. They they had 60 bottles, which is obviously not a lot. 60 bottles throughout the state of Kansas. And I did call a couple of places asking if they had it. And they said they would call me back to work out like a special order. But instead of calling me back to work it out. They just went ahead and special ordered it anyway, in addition to some of the other uh, stores across the state of Kansas that ended up getting the uh, the bottle. And not many of these stores got a lot of bottles, but uh, I was able to get my hands on two of them. One of them I did, uh, one of them I, I got, I'm keeping it sealed, absolutely not opening it whatsoever. Uh, just going to keep it sealed. If I ever see uh, Jason, if he's ever in town and in, in the area, I'm definitely going to meet up with him and have him sign it. Uh, and keep it sealed. But I did try the uh, the first one I had uh, from uh, Brown Bag Liquor. Shout out to them. Uh, they got it pretty early uh, in the state of Kansas. So uh, they, they saved one for me. I'll tell you what, man. That added some really good whiskey. If you want some good whiskey, uh, go to J- just search Jason Brown on Instagram and on Twitter. And he does have a link in his uh, in- uh, social media pages that lead you to where you can buy the whiskey. So... I recommend it. I, I You can order it online. Now, the shipping does cost a little bit more because it's online. So if you, here's what I would do. Call a local liquor store. Tell them about this whiskey 
and ask them if they can special order it for you. Because that's what uh, a couple of these uh, stores, because I called a lot of places in the area asking if they have it. Uh, only a couple of them were willing to special order it. I said, hey, I'm not going to say no to that. So uh, I recommend it. I really do. Look, I'm not a big whiskey guy. I thought there was a chance maybe I would not like uh, slapdick whiskey, but it is really good. Uh, very good. Highly recommend it. So check that out. Uh, I did mention, uh, I took a break from the podcast, but there was one podcast I wanted to do uh, last month, and that was with Lionel Dalton. And if you guys are Kansas City Chiefs fans or Baltimore Ravens fans, you guys know who Lionel Dalton is if you follow those teams closely. Lionel played for the Kansas City Chiefs uh, during the Dick Vermeil era, and maybe one season under Herb Edwards. I can't remember exactly uh, when he played in Kansas City, but... Uh, he, uh, is going through a lot with his health. He's on dialysis, um, uh, in need of a new kidney. Uh, I actually went into that in detail, uh, on the last podcast. So if you haven't checked that out, it's also on my YouTube page. I put a, a shorter version of that on my YouTube page for those who want to check it out. Um, what he needs from fans is to basically just retweet him as much as possible just to, Get the word out. He's been trying his best to get the word out uh, about uh, be- becoming an organ donor. Not just to help himself, but to help anyone out there that is in need of a kidney or whatever it might be. So, uh, obviously very uh, respectable of him to do, even during uh, trying times like that, which we talked about uh, with him. He was very open and honest about all of that. So, uh, check out um, his uh, Twitter page uh, and I don't have his Twitter page right in front of me, but if you just type his name, Lionel Dalton, Lionel is spelled L-I-O-N-A-L, and Dalton spelled how you would spell the name, uh, D-A-L-T-O-N, and you should find him easily on uh, social media. He's on Twitter. He joined a few weeks ago. He's been doing a lot of media nationally the past uh, year, and he's trying his best to get the word out. Oh, by the way, I found his Twitter. It's at Jelly Roll Kidney. His nickname was Jelly Roll. I had no idea until just recently. So Jelly Roll Kidney on Twitter. If you guys can go there, retweet the uh, tweet that he has pinned. Uh, it's a picture of him with a couple of his kids. He's got four kids, uh, and he's obviously trying to fight for them, understandably so. So uh, please go out there, help Lionel Dalton out, uh, retweet his pinned tweet out there, and just try to... Um, I mean, if you're in the area, if you know anyone in the media, tag them, please, and let them know about it. See if they can um, do a story about Lionel Dalton's situation. By the way, things I've been watching lately, movies that have come out recently, Black Widow, Suicide Squad, uh, they were all right. Not really worth the wait, especially Black Widow. I don't think it was that great. The action scenes were great, but the storytelling... Not the best. Plus, I, I, I didn't I, look. I don't know why they didn't bring this out when they to fit the timeline. I thought that was a little silly. This should have come out, you know, after Captain America: Civil War. Just my opinion. Uh, Suicide Squad. Mm, it was good. I think it was better than the first. I don't think it was the best uh, work from uh, James Dunn. Uh, obviously, Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean, those are some of his best work right there. One and two. I also saw the Borat Extra, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen release. I guess some uh, unseen footage. They're hilarious, man. They really are. Uh, um, check that out if you haven't, if you have a sense of humor. It has a lot of negative reviews on Amazon because 
he mentions the pandemic and conspiracy theories, and I guess that uh, outraged a lot of people. So there are some negative uh, reviews there. But uh, also, this is not anything new, but I've been watching Black Summer on Netflix. If you watch The Walking Dead or Z Nation, uh, this is probably a show up your alley. It's a zombie apocalyptic show. it starts very slow, but does pick up. So if you're if you, you're if you're able to have some patience with shows like that or movies like that that do start off slow, I do recommend Black Summer. Uh, definitely worth checking out. Uh, my mom told me about this, and I've enjoyed it so far. I'm not in season two yet. I think they've only got two seasons so far on Netflix. So uh, I've been trying to watch it. I've actually been watching The Walking Dead again because uh, I've been I haven't seen that show in a long time. I know they just released season 10 on Netflix or season, whichever new season just got on Netflix. And it's 22 episodes, which is more than they've done any other season. And I think the following season that's going to air on TV whenever, that is apparently going to be their final season, which I'm surprised because I remember their producers a couple of years ago saying they think this could go on for another 10, 15 years. But look, I, I think the ratings have been down at some point. You know, it's run its course. So. It's now going to be coming to an end soon, which is very interesting. I, I've I've read the comics, uh, not all the way, uh, definitely farther than where they are on the show, and I'm kind of surprised they're bringing it to an end. And I'm curious to see if they try to speed it up to make it up to date with the comic book. So, just some things I've been up to lately. Uh, with that said, I, there are a lot of things I do want to discuss um, in the news uh, that. We've uh, that a lot of people have been talking about uh, since I've last done a podcast. So some of it might be a little bit old news. Some of it, most of it, is actually fairly new news. Um, I do want to talk about. It. Definitely want to talk about the Big Twelve and the situation there. It, it, look, I'm not a big college sports fan, so I don't really care for this uh, a whole lot. Even though I'm a Kansas fan and grad, but there's one big reason I do really care about this, and I'll get into why. Definitely want to talk about the NFL, some of the news and notes uh, and some concerns uh, from players about the whole COVID policy. Uh, Anthony Sherman spoke. Uh, Definitely want to talk about Conor McGregor and what he has been going through in the last month with the loss and after the loss. Uh, And in the end of the podcast, I definitely want to touch on the Cleveland Indians changing their name because... There was a lot. There's a lot from I have to say about that. Not necessarily about the change itself, but more so the reactions that we got. Uh, a lot of mixed reactions, and I want to mention that later on in the podcast. So a lot to talk about here. Uh, first things first. The United States, 39 gold medals surpassed China that finished with 38. Altogether, USA had 113, uh, which is second place to China's 88. Or excuse me, uh, USA's. Uh, uh, 113 medals is first place to China's 88, which is second place, which is great. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, a lot of people were concerned if they would be able to surpass China for uh, most gold medals. They've always had the most medals in total, but gold medals was uh, one that took a while. Uh, they obviously got a lot in the end, including Team USA basketball. Remember uh, when everyone freaked out and lost their shit when Team USA lost Two exhibition games. And people came up with all these historical stats. You know, Team USA only lost two exhibition games before the 2020 Olympics. 2020, 2021, whatever you want to call it. Everyone's calling it 2020, even though it's happening in 21 uh, because of the pandemic. But everyone's talking about, about the whole two losses and they're freaking out. And I was the only person who said, 
Why the hell are we freaking out over this? First of all, a lot of people didn't even watch these games. Second of all, it's an exhibition game. Or exhibition games. These are preseason games. If Patrick Mahomes throws an interception, if Tom Brady throws an interception in a preseason game, no one's going to lose their mind over it. I still remember Peyton Manning in his Broncos debut, preseason debut, he threw two interceptions. And I know in the final year with the Broncos, they didn't do too well, but still won a Super Bowl. Went to two Super Bowls, in fact. And I got a lot of people telling me, oh, well, an NFL preseason game and, and uh, Olympic exhibition games are not the same. Yes, they are. I, I'm sorry. They are the same thing to me. I, I mean, exhibition games are never to be taken seriously. Look at the final result. Team USA won the gold medal against France. Great game. Little close in the end. Too close for comfort in the end, but they pulled away and they won. So look, man, it's just an exhibition game. So let's relax a little bit. Uh, let's not get too... Uh, caught up over exhibition losses. Uh, the biggest topic from the Olympics was Simone Biles. And I do want to talk about this because she uh, pulled herself out of some, some of the competitions because she was not in the right mental state to do these competitions. And this led to a lot of backlash. A lot of people were, uh, a lot of people were attacking her for this, which I thought was silly to do. And then a lot of people were trying to show support after all the uh, criticism she's received. Because, look, I mean, if someone is saying that they're not able to compete because of their mental state, uh, why are we attacking them for that? Why is that okay to do? I never really understood it. If anything, if she didn't pull out and if she competed and did poorly and cost her team... And then she said, well, she wasn't in the right mental state afterwards. She would have taken a lot of heat for not pulling out. So, look, you can never make anyone happy. And that's going to be the theme of this podcast. Uh, some of the topics to discuss. You you can't make everybody happy. A lot of people don't realize this. No, My biggest issue with how this was covered. A lot of people don't know this, but her biological... She's adopted. The only person in her biological family she's connected to is her brother. And her brother was in court every day fighting a murder charge, was acquitted for. Biles was with him every day in court leading up to the Olympics. So you think of the amount of time she could have been spending training for the Olympics. She was in court. And then, you know, when she wasn't in court, she didn't have that, that much time that that would be ideal for her. To prepare for the Olympics. So she was dealing with that. And she's obviously done with, uh, excuse me, dealt with sexual abuse. By the way, I I talked about this on my Facebook page. And somebody said, well, I don't feel bad for her because uh, I I lost my grandmother and I still want to work. Whereas she pulled out of her work. I'm sorry, but if you are comparing dealing with sexual abuse to your grandmother passing away, I don't mean to split hairs, but... Those are not the same thing. And listen, we all deal with our own things, but the thing that she has dealt with, you know, being uh, adopted and not having a biological family, I mean, that's something you have to live with with, for the rest of your life. And then uh, the sexual abuse and what her brother went through, and then for people to attack her for all of this. And by the way, you know who's attacking her? The people who have never watched a lick 
of gymnastics. And all of a sudden, they want to be the talking point for gymnastics. Name me another uh, competitor in gymnastics other than Simone Biles. I'm not going to pretend like I know because I don't. And all the people bashing her for this, they don't either. Now, did her teammates criticize her for pulling out? I don't think I saw that. Did you? If her teammates and coaches support her for what she did, why are we in any position to talk about whether or not it was a right move or not? She was doing what was best for her. And I think that's such a big issue for so many people. So many people do not do what is right for them. Do what's right for you. As long as you're not harming anyone in the process, people in this world really do need to focus on themselves. And that's what she did. She did what was best for her. And I don't blame her. She did what she needed to do rather than bringing her team down with her. That's not that she definitely would have taken a lot more criticism for for sure. People forget this too. She how accomplished she is at 24 years old, uh, holding the record among men and women for most world championships with 25. So world competitions, Olympic competitions. I mean, she's she has she has more than anyone, including Michael Phelps, the most accomplished Olympian ever. And even he, it took someone like him to speak out and say, "Hey, look, it's okay to not be okay." Uh, a lot of people deal with issues. People forget this, by the way, because athletes in general don't like to open up about these kinds of things. And quite honestly, I can fucking understand why. Because of the way Simone Biles was just attacked for her personal life. I mean, holy shit. You think about some of these people. I mean, look at Patrick Mahomes and you know his family members who have been in the public eye and just people feeling the need to bash him. I mean, there's probably a small part of Patrick Mahomes who, and I'm just guessing here, he probably wishes that his family life was very, very private. Because let's be honest, who out there likes it for their wife or girlfriend or brother to be attacked publicly for essentially nothing? I don't know, man. That's just the world we live in, I guess. Uh, not saying it's right. That's just the way it is. By the way, a lot of people were criticizing those who were showing support of Simone Biles. And they start bringing up the term participation trophy. I don't recall anybody saying give her the gold medal. If anyone said this, please let me know. And I'll come on here and I'll delete this episode and retract my statement. I don't think anyone was saying, hey, let's give Simone Biles the gold medal. I think people were applauding her for doing the right thing for herself. That's it. I saw Michael Bisping, who I'm a big fan of, but what the hell is he talking about? He got criticized for admittedly talking about a uh, uh, talking about a subject he admitted to not knowing about. And then when he wanted to react to the criticism, he said, "Oh, let's just give everyone a, a participation trophy." That who the fuck is talking about a participation trophy? Um, I, I, don't, I don't I don't I don't know where people get that. Sometimes I, I always think it's funny to hear, but nonetheless, look. Uh, she's accomplished what she's done at 24, 24 years old. Okay. Think about that. 20, especially that age when you're making that transition from, you know, to adulthood, essentially, a lot of people struggle with that transition and Simone Biles, she's, she's more accomplished than 99% of the world. So I think she's doing just fine. She did what she needed to do. 
came back, won a bronze medal, if I remember correctly. That's it. Everyone's freaking out over something they're really not real. Uh, they're not really into. I mean, how many people really care that much about gymnastics to want to bash Simone Biles in this manner? I don't know. Surprises me. NFL season less than five weeks away. Uh, very excited for this. Uh, we are counting down the days to the NFL season. Uh, here's my question. Are we going to have stadiums at full capacity? Because the talk all along was whether um, you're a fan or even an, an expert in the field. A lot of people were very optimistic that the NFL could be at full capacity. This has been discussed even back in December when the previous season was still taking place. Now, look, I'm not here to tell you it's going to be full capacity or it's not going to be full capacity. Well, actually, I'll tell you what. They're not going to do limitations, actually. I will say that, and I'll tell you why later on in a moment. But uh, this Delta variant, I I don't know what to make of it. I really don't. Uh, I've heard so many things, and it's hard to kind of pinpoint what's real, what's not, because people are only reporting, when I say people, I'm talking about the media, they only report what they want to say, what they want to believe, and then there are also people out there who only echo the reports that they want to hear, so it's always interesting how that uh, how that part works, but I'll tell you something right now, There, I I think stadiums are going to be full capacity. These owners lost a lot of money. These owners hurt the most uh, when it came to stadiums being at very limited capacity or no fans at all. I'm telling you right now, they're not going to deal with that for a second season in a row. No way in hell they're going to do that. Uh, I mean, look, even the Chiefs, they didn't want to have a stadium with empty fans, especially considering uh, the fan base and how loyal they've been and how much they've always been vocal. Even when the team's bad, they still care because I mean, they've had something to say about the bad product because they care. They want to see a good product and for them to have their first Super Bowl win in 50 years and to not have that banner drop in front of a full crowd. That sucks. I mean, that was a very special moment that so many people were waiting for, for a very long time. With that said, uh, I mean, they're, they're not going to do this for a second year in a row. Here's what will happen if, let's just say this virus is going to get worse again. Okay, I, I'm just throwing a hypothetical out there. If this does get worse from now until early September, they're just going to require masks. That's all they're going to do. They're just going to require you to wear a mask. Because they're not going to deal with limited capacity or empty stadiums two years in a row. Just not going to happen. I I mean, I I can say that for sure right now. Uh, I don't know. Uh, That's just my prediction. Uh, But I'm almost certain that that that's how things will uh, pan out, at the very worst. Uh, If you've been following the NFL closely lately for training camp, they've been doing... uh, Well, obviously, you guys know about the vaccine... A lot of people vaccinated, a lot of people not vaccinated. Uh, same thing uh, Same thing goes for the NFL. Uh, for a lot of teams, it sounds like 85 to 90% are vaccinated, but there's still 10% on some teams not. And that's still a lot, considering, you know, if someone 
gets COVID or comes uh, in close contact with someone that got COVID, well, then they have to sit out. Uh, and if they come close to someone else, then that person also has to sit out. And the NFL just doesn't want to deal with that. Uh, Patrick Mahomes had a very close call uh, with Stephon Gilmore last year, if you guys remember. Uh, Stephon Gilmore tested positive the day after the Chiefs-Patriots game, and they showed him and Patrick Mahomes uh, hugging each other after the game when they were shaking hands post-game. So there was some uh, uh, some concerns there at one point, uh, just the way this impacts people. So what they're doing in training camp, everyone has colored wristbands. Uh, if you have the vaccine, you have a certain color. If you don't, you have a different color, and you do have to wear a mask or actually, I take that back. I don't know if you have to wear a mask, but you do have to be distanced in the weight room, in the lunch area, in the film room, meeting room, locker room, whatever. You can't be close to those who are vaccinated, which I can understand. Anthony Sherman, who just retired with the Kansas City Chiefs, got blasted on Twitter. Uh, he went on a very long rant uh, talking about the NFL's policy, and then he explained himself in another uh, thread. Uh some of his complaints, I actually understand. Now, he's still wrong in a lot of things that he was complaining about. But the one thing he got blasted for was he compared the NFL's COVID policy to segregation in the 60s. Now, I've got to say something about this. If you are defending Anthony Sherman by saying he's allowed an opinion or it's sad someone can't speak, speak their mind, just stop, okay? Because the people who are saying this... They said the same thing for Drew Brees. Remember a year ago around this time, uh, or a little little over a year ago, Drew Brees ha- uh, gave his stance on the national anthem and why there shouldn't be kneeling during the anthem. This And Drew Brees got killed for it. The same people who are saying Anthony Sherman should be allowed an opinion without being bashed, they said the same thing for Drew Brees. They said, Drew Brees, you know, he, he's just giving his opinion. Why is he getting destroyed for this? Why is he getting criticized for an opinion? However, the same people who are saying that, they didn't say that for LeBron James when he gave his stance on political events. When And by the way, people say, oh, I don't uh, follow LeBron for politics. Well, you don't follow Drew Brees for politics either. Even though anthem protesting has nothing to do with politics, it's been labeled as so. Yeah, funny how that works too, right? Uh, by the way, Mahomes, he uh, was interviewed, or in, the, in the press conference rather, uh, which isn't an interview per se, but you get the idea. In a press conference, he was asked about uh, unvaccinated players, and he suggested, hey, for those players to wear a mask and to be smart. And just for saying that, he got bashed. The same people who are saying Anthony Sherman's allowed an opinion, Drew Brees is allowed an opinion, bash Patrick Mahomes. Think about that. So Patrick Mahomes is not allowed an opinion. LeBron James is not allowed an opinion. Even though what they said weren't controversial, valid things they've said, but when Drew Brees said something, which again, I agree, he's allowed an opinion, he's wrong for it, and he he can be praised for it and criticized for it. Same thing with Anthony Sherman, but people are picking and choosing who's allowed to have an opinion and who they want to criticize. Someone please, to inf- someone inform me, how the hell does that make sense? Now, I know the answer, but does everyone want to say the obvious? That's another point right there. Why do we want to avoid that? I think that's a better question. Uh, anyway, uh, I do want to get into Anthony Sherman's comments, but the, the whole comparing it to the to segregation 
l- let me just put it like this. If unvaccinated players are receiving lynchings for not getting the vaccine, prove that to me and I will delete all of my social media. If you can prove that to me. Pretty pretty simple thing to to, to prove if it's happening, right? Uh, look, uh, I, I know Cole Beasley. Uh, I mean, he was very vocal about being against the vaccine. Kirk Cousins, uh, he's also been uh, vocal about uh, being against the vaccine to the point where a hospital in Michigan dropped their uh, partnership with Kirk Cousins. And what were the reactions? Oh, man, I, I thought this was a free country. Kirk Cousins can't speak his mind now. He can't make his own choice. Yeah, he can. He, he made the choice to not have the vaccine and the hospital made the choice to drop him. But instead of mentioning both of them, you only chose to mention one. So again, you know, wanting to talk, talk about freedom of choice, choices and, you know, who's allowed an opinion, who's not. Uh, people only say it for certain people. Again, I think we all know the obvious answer. Only thing is, who's willing to admit the obvious to that? But let, let me just talk about Anthony Sherman's complaints here. Um, because outside of the segregation crap, his comments are not all invalid. Uh, I think he's wrong on a lot of the things he was talking about. He's complaining about being separated from teammates. Now, by the way, this is someone who did get COVID-19 last year during the season, and he actually had to miss three games for this. By the way, when Patrick is saying wear a mask to unvaccinated players, you guys realize why, right? For those who don't know, if a game has to be canceled, and by the way, let's Listen, I know the NFL had a crazy year last year, shuffling games and shuffling bye weeks. That had to be a pain in the ass for the people responsible for doing that. I don't know how in the hell they did it, but they found a way to do it, and they managed to get all 256 games in the books. It was not pretty. It was actually very ugly with the way they had to reshuffle things. The Kansas City Chiefs had to reschedule two of their games Uh they actually had to cancel a Thursday night football game because they were playing way too many games in a short time span, and they rescheduled it to an. I shouldn't say canceled. They rescheduled it to another day. Um, but the Chiefs had to deal with that a couple of times. The NFL, nor its teams, should have to worry about going off script. They shouldn't have to worry about changing travel plans or having to stay longer in a hotel. I can't remember who it was, the Steelers or the Ravens, uh, who the visiting team was, but someone had to stay in a hotel a lot longer than they wanted to just to wait for the game to happen uh, because of uh, Lamar Jackson and a few other players who got COVID. Uh, The Chiefs and Patriots pushed their game back one day because Cam Newton tested positive and sort of Jordan Tamahu, uh, one of the reserve quarterbacks for the Chiefs. So you had all these issues here. The NFL is not dealing with that anymore. So if there is an outbreak from a team and if it's caused by an unvaccinated player, they're just going to cancel the game. And the team that has to forfeit the game, they're not going to get a paycheck for that week. Nor does the team that wins. So it doesn't matter who wins or loses. You're not only hurting yourself, you're not only hurting your team, but you're also hurting your opponents. Now, some might say, who cares about other teams? Yeah, but you're in this together. You're in the NFL together, man. And you might be teammates with these people in the future. Maybe you were teammates with them in college. So it's more of a respect thing to everyone else around you, within your team and outside of your team, among the 32 teams in the NFL. Now, I've heard people ask, what if a vaccinated player is spreading the virus and causes an outbreak? I actually think that's a good question. What my answer was, and I don't think we have had an answer on this, but... 
I think the NFL is willing to cooperate if these players are at least trying their best by getting vaccinated and doing, in my opinion, what needs to be done. It's almost like, let me put it this way. If someone breaks into your car, but you leave your door unlocked, is law enforcement going to go out of their way to try to help you work around the situation, do what they need to do? If you're leaving your car unlocked or your front door unlocked, I don't know. I'm not I'm not saying the criminal activity is right. It's absolutely wrong. But I don't know if they'd be willing to do as much as if someone else had the same thing happen to them, but their car door was locked or their front door to their house or apartment was locked. They'd probably be willing to do more for them because that's someone that actually took the necessary measures to secure their car or secure their house. I think that's the same thing here. If a team is vaccinated or if a player is vaccinated and an entire team has uh, the vaccine and they have an outbreak, I think they're still willing to work around it the best they can to try to help everyone not lose a paycheck. Because these players are making a lot of money. Who wants to miss out on six, seven figures? That's a lot of money. That's a hell of a lot of money to miss out on. Uh, so look, Anthony Sherman, I think he's a lot of people are forgetting, you know, these are issues out there that players are dealing with now. And these guys are making a lot. But here's the thing with Sherman. Uh, again, I think he's still in the wrong, but here's I, I can understand where he's coming from with his frustration about everything. Everyone's sick and tired of this vaccine or this this virus. And I don't care if you, which, again, I said earlier, I don't know how the hell this stuff ends up being political, but it just does. I don't care where you lean politically on all this. No one likes what's happening. Show me someone who's saying, man, I love masks. I love wearing masks. They're so comfortable. They're so, not a single person is saying that shit. Show me someone who is saying, man, I'm so thrilled that businesses are struggling. Some businesses are now closed for good because of the pandemic. Nobody's saying that. No one's saying that. Show me someone that loves these restrictions or these uh, measures that people are having to take during times like this. The past, what, we've been in this, what, for almost a year and a half now in the United States? Show me anyone who's saying any of that. Nobody is thrilled that this is happening right now. No one likes that players have to wear colored wristbands at training camp. I don't know anyone who loves what's happening right now. Do you? Because I don't. But for whatever reason, this has gone to a political manner. And because people politically have different ways to combat the virus, we have to fucking kill each other over wanting to stay safe. I mean... Think about that. We're literally killing each other verbally because of safety measures. I don't know, man. I don't know. Uh, by the way, when I was in Vegas, I uh, put down a $100 bet for Coach of the Year. I actually picked two guys just to uh, increase my chances here. A lot of you guys might disagree with me. And I'll tell you why I think one of these two will win. I think it's going to be either Andy Reid or Bill Belichick. Andy Reid, I think, is an obvious one. There's been a lot of talk about the Chiefs possibly going undefeated. And if they do that in the regular season, and keep in mind, 
they're voting right after the regular season ends. So postseason success doesn't matter. I think if the Chiefs go undefeated or go uh, 16-1, and I think Andy Reid's going to win it. The other person who I think is going to win is Bill Belichick. And the reason why is because the Patriots had a bad year last year. And with Tom Brady moving on to winning a Super Bowl, everyone's out there saying, this was Tom Brady all along. Because people have asked for so many years, who's really the mastermind in New England? Was it Tom Brady or Bill Belichick? And I know it's only one year since they've been separated, but in that one year, the Patriots finished below 500 and Tom Brady went on to win a Super Bowl when, again, people doubted him saying that he couldn't do it. People have been saying that about Brady forever, man. It's been since 2014. Now, here's why I think Reed and Belichick are going to be the potential favorites. Reed, I mentioned, you know, the potential of going undefeated or 16-1. and Here's the thing with Belichick. He's got a rookie quarterback with him. And if he can turn things around in New England with that rookie quarterback, people are going to back off of Brady and say, hey, look, Belichick is winning again. He won games with Matt Castle, even though they didn't make the playoffs. He still won games with Jimmy Garoppolo. And now he's off to a great start with his new rookie quarterback. His, I'm drawing a blank on his name right now. Uh, Mac Jones. From Alabama. So here's the other thing too. And people forget this. But let's be honest. Is there some bias when it comes to voting? Absolutely. I guarantee you the media. If Andy Reid goes close to undefeated. And or Belichick has a very good season with Mac Jones. Then the media who they love veterans. They'll be very inclined to want to vote for Andy Reid. Or Bill Belichick for coach of the year. I think if Reed and Belichick, if they both do what I said they could do, it's going to be a close race between those two guys. I know Coach of the Year usually goes to some uh, a coach uh, whose team is not uh, basically surpasses expectations by a wide margin. But when you have something like an undefeated season or a coach who's won six Super Bowls with one quarterback and is trying to build a whole nother legacy with another quarterback, people are going to be all over that. The voters are certainly going to be in favor of that. So I think that's why Reed and Belichick are the potential favorites, in my opinion. Betting-wise, they're not the favorites. Uh, but I think they, they'll they end up becoming the favorites uh, because those two guys, the media loves them. They've been around for a very long time, even though Belichick doesn't like the media himself. Uh, the media still loves covering him because of his success and how long he's been there. Medi the media loves that kind of stuff. They love longevity. And Andy Reid and, and Belichick, they both have that with their total wins, more so with Belichick and uh, just... just uh, how well they've gotten to know them over the years. And if they can do those two things I mentioned, respectively, for each team, then I think you've got a very good chance at seeing one of those two guys win Coach of the Year. And I've got a good chance at winning money out of that. So it's a win-win for me. Uh, last NFL note I want to talk about before we move on. Uh, Richard Sherman. We all saw what happened in the shocking video uh, where he's trying to break into his in-laws' home. Stop saying he made a mistake. People are very quick 
to defend someone, especially, you know, a favorite athlete or celebrity when they get charged with a DUI. Oh, he made a mistake. No, a mistake. That's not a mistake. Drinking and driving is not a mistake. A mistake is something accidental. What Richard Sherman did was not accidental. He has every intention of trying to break into that door. Have you guys seen that video? Richard Sherman is trying to break that door down. So this is not a mistake. This is not an accident. He knew what he was trying to do. Uh, Now look, Sherman is a very highly regarded player uh, among uh, the entire NFL when it comes to players, coaches, the media, everybody. Um, So people were very shocked to see this. This is not normal behavior for Richard Sherman at all. I I don't know if you guys remember this, but Tyreek Hill, he, he went through the child abuse allegations. After a lot of evidence that came out, it turned out he uh, was not found guilty of any of that. And he was not suspended as a result. And I remember shortly after that, in the preseason, the Chiefs and 49ers played. And Richard Sherman and Tyreek Hill are talking to each other at midfield after the game. And I could just tell with the body language. Richard Sherman is giving Tyreek Hill some sort of advice. And I'm sure it had to do, I, if I, I would almost be certain it had to do with what Tyreek Hill had just went through at the time. Now, I don't know exactly what Richard Sherman could have been saying. Could have been, you know, hey, be very wise in who you date or who you surround yourself with. Because let's be honest, man, these public uh, figures, these these celebrities, these athletes, you're around the wrong crowd. You will be guilty by association. Uh, Tyreek Hill, I mean, he wasn't guilty necessarily, but he went through a lot of shit that offseason that he shouldn't have gone through if he didn't do anything. But sometimes when you put yourself around the bad people, that can happen. Um, So look, Sherman's a very, very highly respected person among the NFL. Uh, So that was very shocking to see. Because a lot of people, I mean, when he has something to say, everyone wants to hear what he has to say. And when I'm talking to everyone, I'm talking about people in the NFL. Uh, my question is, if he broke that door open, if he got in, what the hell was he going to do? I don't really know if I even want to know. Uh, kind of a scary thought. By the way, somebody asked me on uh, Facebook if I'll ever discuss fantasy football on here. Um, here's my thing. I, I'm not a fantasy football guy. I'm just not. A lot of people feel the need to want to play fantasy football in order to be able to follow the NFL closely. I've never needed fantasy football to follow it closely. Listen, I had two defenses once, one, and this is a long, long time ago. Um, I forgot to set my defense, and I ended up losing by one point. Uh, so I didn't have a defense, and I lost the fantasy game by one point. My point is, I forget about this stuff. I mean, it's just really not a priority of mine. I don't really enjoy Honestly, I think Madden is way more fun than fantasy football. Um, I don't know. It's just not for me. It's really not. Uh I tried to get into it again a few years later, and I just couldn't. I, I, I really couldn't. I love watching football. I love watching the NFL. Sundays, man, I, I'm like a lot of you guys. I'm doing nothing but watching the games. Uh, always uh, watching uh, the primetime games as well. Uh, fantasy football is just not for me. It's not. I get a lot of people love it. That's fine if, if that's your thing. But uh, I, I know I'm probably in the uh, tiny, tiny minority in that. Um by the way, Conor McGregor, I want to discuss this. Uh, I know it's been a month, but this is my first time having a chance to talk about it. Uh, he lost to Dustin Poirier 
by TKO Dr. Stoppage after the first round. First of all, it's not the first time someone's lost by Dr. Stoppage. I guess it's a bigger deal because it happened early in the fight rather than later, like we've seen in some other fights. Conor McGregor lost. Injuries are unfortunately a very unforgiving part of sports. But that doesn't mean you can't award the winner in these outcomes, especially in a sport like MMA. Conor McGregor lost. At one point, Poirier checked that ankle. He even pointed at it. So it's not like this is something he knew, he was unaware of. He knew McGregor's ankle was not in the best shape at one point when McGregor went for a kick. So what do you do in a sport like MMA? You freaking capitalize on that. You don't ever apologize. You'd be silly not to. Um, McGregor, man, I don't know what's going on with him. The way he lost, he was talking shit all week, saying, "Oh, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna put uh, Dustin Poirier in a stretcher." Oh boy, uh, looked like he was the one who ended up on a stretcher. McGregor was the one who ended up on a stretcher instead. Uh, but man, just talking about Dustin's wife calling her a man, and then, um, you know, leading up to the fight, he was saying, uh. That his MMA record is 19-1. and one, And that he doesn't count decisions or submissions. So apparently he never fought Nate Diaz. Ironically, he went for a guillotine. Obviously it's just noise from Conor McGregor's end. But look, the guy lost. Lost fair and square. And then with Habib Nurmagomedov, you know, they've got a rivalry. Habib talked a little trash saying good always wins. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's what these fighters do. But then McGregor, you know, talking about Dustin's wife and then, you know, going after Habib lately, doing this weeks after the fight, talking about Habib's dead father who died uh, because of COVID last year, and then going after his wife and kids and then saying something about enjoying eating his kids. What the fuck are you saying? What in the world has gotten into Conor McGregor? I don't get it, man. Uh, Domina Cruz said this. I mean, if you're going to behave like this right after the fight where he's just talking shit in the cage while doctors are uh, attending to his ankle. Like, dude, you lost and you're injured and you are still talking trash. I mean, think about how silly that looks. Um, as for in the cage, I'm saying it now. Conor McGregor is the most overrated fighter in UFC history. Had a great amount of success at featherweight but my god what has he done since then he won two titles never defended any of them uh he hasn't proved anything lately from 2011 to 2015 he went 11 to no that includes right before joining the ufc when he was at uh king of the cage and then since 2016 he's three and four in the ufc he's one and four in his last four fights his last four fights have all come after the Mayweather mega fight. Ever since he returned from uh, to the UFC, because he was out of action for a while in the UFC because he wanted to go pursue this Mayweather fight. And then even after that, he was still inactive for quite some time. Uh, ever since he returned, he's been bad. He lost to Habib. He beat Donald Cerrone, which is a joke because Cerrone's horrible. He's, uh, he's lost five of his last six, and the one fight he didn't lose was a no contest. So your only win is against another terrible fighter. Dustin Poirier beat him in the second round at the beginning of the year, and then just recently Poirier beat him again due to a Dr. Stoppage. And yes, Poirier beat him. That is the sport of mixed martial arts. Dr. Stoppages go 
uh, to your win-loss record. They don't ever put an asterisk for that. They don't ever apologize for that. That's a part of the sport, man. Conor McGregor is overrated. Uh, I mean, he talks a lot. People are still going to watch him, but it's starting to dwindle down, man. I don't think the hype is going to be there if he loses yet another fight. It would be his third straight loss, and it would be four out of, out of his last five that he would lose. So he absolutely... Listen, this is the perfect time to book the Nate Diaz trilogy because Nate Diaz... Just lost his second fight in a row. McGregor's lost two in a row. I mean, before they lose value, book them for a third and final time. I know everyone wants to see the Dustin fight for a fourth time. Dana White wants it. Dustin wants it. Connor wants it. But, uh, I mean, Dustin could be on his way to winning a, a title. And giving Connor a title match with Dustin right away makes absolutely zero sense. But the UFC has been given guys coming off losses uh, title fights. Uh, even guys with losing streaks like Yoel Romero. Title matches, so your guess is as good as mine uh, where that could go. But I think it'd be best if they gave Connor Nate Diaz to do the trilogy and finish that up because now they all want it again. Nate Diaz seemed like he didn't want it, but now he wants it again because you know why? Money talks. The Lakers are reloading again. They're bringing back Trevor Ariza and Dwight Howard. They got a couple of young guys too. Part of their mix. They also went and got Russell Westbrook and Carmelo Anthony. And I know a lot of people want to talk about age and... Okay, yeah, talk about age all you want, but the Lakers are still playing at a high level. Injuries put that Lakers team down last year. They almost missed the playoffs because of that, and they ended up losing to the eventual Western Conference champions, the Phoenix Suns. But look, man, Carmelo was a 39% uh, three-point shooter two seasons ago, and he was shooting 41% from beyond the arc this past season. His career average is 35%, so he's been above his career average the past two years. So Melo isn't declining by any stretch. Now, if he was coming in to be the main uh, uh, reliable guy on this Lakers team, I mean, that'd be bad. Yeah, you, you don't want him to be your top guy. If he's the guy that you're relying on the most... Yeah, the Lakers are in trouble, but no, they have LeBron, they have Anthony Davis. So it's not like Carmelo is this number one uh, guy on the Lakers roster that needs to succeed every single night. No, uh, I mean, they've got they've got an army of guys now. And by the way, this is starting to remind me a lot of 2004 when the Lakers had Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe Bryant, Gary Payton, and Carl Malone. Now, I know that didn't end in their favor with the way they lost in the finals and how quickly they just fell apart after that loss. Um, but that's what this team is reminding me of. A lot of people thought that team was going to go all the way, and they almost did. Another comparison could be Steve Nash and Dwight Howard in 2012 when they joined Kobe, and that was a massive flop. Everybody was calling the Lakers the Western Conference champions and NBA champions that year, and they couldn't even make the finals. Now, a lot of times when super teams like this are formed, that is extremely rare. That doesn't happen often. So I think the Lakers will be A-OK when they get things going for the uh, NBA season soon. Because uh, that is a stacked roster right there. If they can stay healthy, which is a big if, considering what they just dealt with, that could be a very, very good Lakers team. Maybe one of the best teams in NBA history. So I'm excited to see what the Lakers can do with this roster and see if they can get back to prominence again very soon. 
couple more topics and then I'll get out of here. Uh, these are two big topics I want to discuss here. Uh, one is the Big 12 potentially being in trouble, and the other is the Cleveland Indians name change. Um, I'll, I'll try to get through the Big 12 as quick as possible because I have a lot to say about the whole Cleveland Indians situation. Uh, you guys all know the story by now. Texas and OU, uh, they've already announced they're leaving the Big 12 for the SEC in 2025. The Big 12 now going from 10 teams to 8 teams. There's been talks about KU potentially leaving. By the way, speaking of uh, Kansas, uh, Kansas Senator Roger Marshall wants the Department of Justice to investigate ESPN's involvement in Texas and OU leaving. Because let's be honest, our politicians are doing such a great job at spending their money on things that need to be spent on anyway but from both sides. Now we want to look into freaking ESPN convincing, allegedly, Texas and OU leaving. Let me just say this. Let's just say ESPN was responsible. So what? Like, what are you going to do? Like, I mean, they didn't kill anybody. They didn't hurt anybody. Like, seriously, what legal trouble could ESPN be in? I mean, I I don't really, like, okay, I'll admit I don't follow college sports that closely, but what could you punish ESPN with? Like, they're still ESPN at the end of the day. Like, they're not falling down from anything. They're just not. Uh, look, as I just said, I'm not a big college sports fan, which surprises people when I tell them I'm a KU fan and grad. They're like, wait a minute, you don't, you're don't, you not a big college sports fan when you got one of the best basketball? I know, I know. Um, here's one thing about that I do want to say before I move on. I prefer the NFL and the UFC more so uh, when it comes to sports. Uh, I also try to follow the NBA and the NHL as close as possible. Not able to do it as much. I follow my teams, the Lakers and the Golden Knights, as very close as I can. Almost watching all their games. But uh, I can't follow the entire league. I mean, it gets to the point where, you know, I mean, look, I just turned 30 recently. And over the years, it's just, you obviously have more responsibilities at some point. I mean, those just come along. Uh, even in college, man, I, I couldn't follow the NBA or, or, or college sports that closely. I mean, I followed the Big 12 closely because I had to for work purposes. Uh, covering the Big 12 and covering KU football and KU basketball. But, man, I, I really, especially when you're already following those things very closely, your own school and then uh, the conference, I mean, it's pretty hard to follow everything else going on in, in college sports. Um, you know, I'll be honest, man, beat writers, like for NFL teams, the amount of time they spend covering their teams I think a lot of people would be surprised how much time those people spend. My biggest question is, how in the hell do they follow the rest of the NFL? Because they're either in locker rooms, talking to people, watching their practices, and focusing on the team they're covering to the point where they can't really focus a whole lot on uh, the other 31 teams as as much as they would like to because they're fans just like us. But anyway, uh, not to get too off topic. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I, I watch the NFL. I follow that closely. Follow the UFC closely. Uh, follow my NBA and NHL teams closely. Try to just uh, read up on the big stories in those two sports, but I'm not too crazy on that. College sports, I mean, look, on Saturdays, which is when you see a lot of college football action as well as college basketball, I'm usually out and about doing things because Sundays is when I dedicate my entire day to football. I mean, because look, if I'm spending all day watching college football Saturday and watching all day 
uh, Sunday watching the NFL. I mean, you got to go out and live a life. Go make memories, right? So that's why I don't watch college sports too much. Just doesn't appeal to me as much, so I end up doing other things that on Saturdays instead. That's why I don't follow college sports much. Uh, here's why I care about this story, though. And there's really one reason only, and no, it has nothing to do with my fandom for KU. It's more so for Kansas City. As you all know, uh, if the Big 12 is done, that means there obviously won't be a Big 12 tournament. And the Big 12 tournament takes place in Kansas City. In my opinion, out of the all the events in Kansas City that happen annually, the Big 12 tournament absolutely is a top five event every year in Kansas City. I think Big Slick Kansas City is another top five event that takes place. Uh, we could debate all day about that. But sticking with the subject here, obviously a lot of KU and K-State fans, they make the uh, trip out to Power and Light downtown for the Big 12 tournament. Uh, Mizzou fans as well, back when they were in the Big 12. Um, So you have a lot of KC residents who come together and uh, go out to uh, the T-Mobile Center, which used to be called the Sprint Center, uh, or they go to Power and Light during the Big 12 tournament and all the festivities and everything going on there. Uh, And not only that, you've got uh, fans from Iowa State, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, the schools in Texas, Texas Tech, Texas Longhorns, uh, Baylor, TCU. And Mitt, this surprised me, but even West Virginia fans do a great job of of showing up for this. And look, I'm sure there are a lot of Iowa State, OU, and OSU fans in the area, Texas fans in the area. But a majority, and I'm talking the Kansas City area, but a majority of them are out in their own states, their own uh, college towns, and they make the trip out to Kansas City for this. They, they drive for a few hours. Maybe some of them will fly out for this event. West Virginia, which is way out east, they have a big showing for this event. I used to, some of you guys know I used to do um, media production for the Royals. Did it for the Chiefs a little bit. Did, did it for the Sprint Center as well for a couple of years. Man, I'll tell you what. Uh... When I was there doing media production for the Big 12 tournament, and when I was heading home after the uh, the games, there were a lot of West Virginia fans. I would, to my surprise, I didn't realize there would have been so many. I mean, they they packed the arena, they packed the uh, the Power and Light district, and there were a bunch of them heading back to uh, some of the hotels nearby. So even West Virginia fans make it out for this deal. Uh, look, man, uh, I remember in 2005 and 2006 when they were building the Sprint Center, which has been renamed, as I mentioned. I remember, man, wishing so much that this uh, arena would get either an NBA or an NHL team. And unfortunately, they didn't get either one. The, the only sports team they had as attendant was an Arena League team. But at least they have the Big 12 tournament, all right? Those four days are awesome, uh, I mean, they just are. If you've never been to the Big 12 tournament, absolutely go in the next couple of years because this might not be a thing ever again, or at least anytime soon for Kansas City. Because the fans who show up for this, the people who go out and make this event what it is, I mean, I think the city deserves a lot of credit for the way they built the arena and the district right across the street from each other. Uh, makes it very easy to, you know, go out there. How, how many of you guys in Kansas City have, because a lot of my listeners are from KC, many of you guys, whether you're attending a sporting event or a concert or whatever, a lot of you guys probably go to the Power and Light District 
to eat or drink, and then you head over to the arena to watch whatever it is you're there for. Even when I was in media production, man, when when we had some downtime, when it was time to take a break, we actually went across the street to the dis- Power and Light District to have a beer or have a, have some lunch because we had some downtime. We had a few hours uh, for certain events because we were there all day and we had a couple of hours, this little block of a couple hours in the middle of the day. So why not, man? I mean, even after an event, I remember, uh, like, what event was I doing? I cannot remember what event it was. I think it was a college basketball game because they do the CB experience. Man, I was not ready to leave with all the traffic going, especially the under the power light district. The par- parking garage there is a complete mess. Me and a few of the guys working there, we just went and had a drink or two <laughs> waiting for the traffic to die down. Because, um, look, who, who loves traffic? A lot of people complain about, about it with the uh, Garth Brooks concert that just happened at Arrowhead recently. Or, I'm sorry, GEHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium. I got to be politically correct there. Um, but anyway, uh, I digress. Uh, the, the whole thing with the Big 12. Anyway, I mean, it's such a nice venue uh, where they have this tournament. This is potentially not going to be a thing anymore. So even though we never had an NBA or an NHL team, at least we had the Big 12 tournament. Or for now, we still have it. The future of it is really uncertain right now. The entire experience could be gone in... Four years. That's the only reason I care about this story. Because let's think about this. What sporting events do we get at this uh, at the arena at T-Mobile Center from now on? If the Big Twelve tournament, if the Big Twelve's gone, first of all, they got to change the name. The, the Big Twelve, the Big Ten, they got to change the names. Okay, they they just need to. First of all, second of all, uh, sporting events at this arena, you're you're gonna get a KU game. You're gonna get a K State game. You're gonna get a Mizzou game. Because uh, they're all in the area. You might get a Wichita State game. Not sure. Uh, you'll get the college basketball experience. That's a two-day event. Uh, then you'll get the NCAA tournament every other year. Let me say this. Uh, you'll also get an NBA preseason game. And you'll get a Blues preseason game. Uh, once uh, the pandemic comes to an end, I assume. Because uh, I know the Blues like to come out to Kansas City every year for a preseason game. But as far as the NCAA tournament, let me say this. Because uh, like I said, having worked media production there... I know this for a fact, having talked to people from the NCAA, they love coming to Kansas City for uh, for the uh, NCAA tournament. They do. It's a huge deal to them. Somebody actually told me this. They said, the venue's great. Uh, what they have across the street is awesome. And I will try to push every year for Kansas City to get regionals. I mean, that's a pretty big deal if you think about it. Regionals, I mean, you look at the KU and Oregon game that uh, happened a few years ago. I think it was Frank Mason's final year with the Jayhawks. That place was packed with KU fans, understandably so, because I don't think KU... KU obviously won the championship in Kansas City in 88, but I don't think KU has ever clinched a Final Four ticket in Kansas City before. That would have been one of the biggest moments... Uh, in the arena's short time since it's been around. Uh, but that's all you're going to get, man. You're going to get a couple of preseason games. You're going to get uh, a KU, a KCN, and a Mizzou game. The CBE and, uh, yeah, the uh, tournament every other year. That's the reason I care so much about this. Because the Big 12, 
tournament is such a big deal to the arena, to the Power and Light District, basically to downtown Kansas City in general, and that, as someone who loves this city, that could be all gone. Look, I don't know what the future is for KU. I don't know what the future is for Kansas State, for Iowa State, uh, for Baylor, for TCU, which just joined this conference in recent memory, and now they're going to be trying to figure figuring things out again soon, looking for a new home. Um, it's not good. Not good. Um, I'd be very concerned as someone who cares about the city and more so those events downtown. Because, like I said, it's a very special four-day event, and that could soon be no longer a thing. The Cleveland Indians no longer a thing, and this has outraged people. Uh, this sp- did spark a conversation. They, rena- they they announced that they're going to change their names to the Guardians, the Cleveland Guardians, following this baseball season. Uh, look, I know this uh, started the conversation of what about the Chiefs, the Blackhawks, uh, the Braves, just to name a few. Because we all know about the Washington Redskins. They changed their name to the Washington football team for now. Uh, let me say this. I think people forget sometimes about these titles here. Um, Redskin, that is a slang term for Native Americans in the U.S. and First Nations in Canada. I, I mean, just do research on this. You'll find what I'm telling you. The things I'm about to say, the things I just said, and the other things I'll say, you'll find it if you do research. Uh, the term Redskin is considered offensive, insulting, and disparaging. Again, this is not my opinion. This is a research that anyone can do. As long as you have a phone or a laptop or whatever, just type Google.com and uh, do the rest, and you'll uh, you'll know uh, you, all the things I'm telling you. You'll find. Uh, Dan Snyder, the owner of the Washington Football Team, he stated that the team picked the t- uh, the name Redskins in 1933 to honor Native Americans in general and the coach and four players at the time who were Native American. Uh, apparently they consulted with the Red Cloud Indian Fund when designing the logo in 1971. So that's a little bit of background there. Uh, obviously times have changed and, uh, people have talked for a while about changing that name. Now, I think what people forget, and my, my friend Benjamin Albright, who is a Chiefs fan, also covers the, uh, Broncos, he covers Denver sports in general, uh, but does a lot of Denver Broncos coverage for, uh, the media there. Really great guy and a fantastic guy when it comes to... The NFL. He really knows a lot about the sports, has a lot of connections in this sport. Um, you know, He was responding to a critic about the name Chiefs, and he said Chief is a title, like President. And I think people forget that sometimes. Chief is not a slang term. It's nothing uh, that's offensive or insulting. It's actually a good thing. So that's one thing to keep in mind. 12 months ago, uh, Chiefs owner Clark Hunt said in a press conference the team is unlikely to change its name. Uh, he said that he met with the team met with Native American groups. I don't think he ever clarified who specifically met with them. I don't think uh, the media ever asked about these groups either, which I thought was a poor job by the media there. Uh, some of them who I know and really like, but I thought that was a bad job of not uh, asking about those groups. But anyway, Hunt said that according to these groups... The name was not an issue for them. Instead, things like the Tomahawk Chop was an issue. And instead, the Chiefs have changed that to where instead of an open hand, you're basically now doing a closed fist like you're banging the drum, but 
instead it looks like a very interesting motion if you think about that. Uh, another thing th- that the Chiefs have done, they banned Native American style headdresses and face paint uh, for the stadium. Uh, which, by the way, I'll get into in a moment. Uh, but anyway, the Tomahawk Chop, they're encouraging fans to do it with a closed fist. Uh, not sure how they're going to enforce that, but that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to get the cheerleaders, or not trying, they are having the cheerleaders do it to make the fans to try to get them to do it the same way. I don't know if that's going to work. Uh, look, we were we had limited capacity last year, so we couldn't really test that out very well. I'm sure the conversation for that will come back this year. It absolutely will. Uh, by the way, somebody asked me, you know, would I be upset if the Chiefs changed their name? Let me just tell you right now what the Cleveland Indians did changing their names. And if the Chiefs were to follow suit... I honestly don't give a shit if they change their name. I really don't. Uh, now, bear with me on this because I have a lot to say here. If I Look, I have way more. I, I said this earlier. I have way more important serious matters in my life right now than to be upset over a name change. If you are upset by a name change, you either live a perfect life with absolutely zero issues or you seriously got to reconsider some of your priorities in life. Like I said, man, if the Chiefs change their names, that is one of the last things in life that is going to bother me. It really is. Um, Listen, I talked about the Chiefs banning uh, Native American style headdresses and face paint. A lot of people were pissed about that when the Chiefs announced this last year. Yet 99% of you never put on a headdress nor face paint. So why were you outraged by this? Fans are pissed. Because Arrowhead Stadium is now called GEHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium. They're acting like fans are being forced to call it GEHA Field. Everyone's still going to call it Arrowhead. The only people who are not going to call it Arrowhead are Mitch Holthus, whoever your preseason broadcasters are, and then Matt McMullen, uh, the, the guy, the team reporter for the Chiefs website. Those people are going to call it GEHA Field at Arrowhead because they're an employee of the Chiefs. So they have to. Outside of that, everyone else is still going to call it Arrowhead, okay? But for whatever reason, we're all pissed off and we're outraged. By the way, Clark Hunt apparently twice has called it G.E.H. Field, which I think is funny. Uh, (laughs) uh, And he's still getting paid for it, too. Uh, How nice is that? Um, Look. People are outraged because I guess recently the Chiefs changed uh, the back of one of the video boards where it said Arrowhead. Now it says GEHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium. So what? Why are we pissed about this? These same fans were pissed because Community America uh, became a sponsor of the Chiefs a few years ago. They changed one of the spiral, spiral ramps. And it's basically all Community America on the walls and on the columns. And the primary color is blue, which is not a primary color of the Chiefs. It's like, why are people pissed about this? It's a fucking spiral ramp. Why are we pissed about this? Like, why are we outraged over a goddamn spiral ramp that has the team uh, advertising it's a, a, a sponsor of theirs? Like, why are we outraged by this? Again, it's a spiral ramp. A spiral ramp. Now, if the spiral ramp somehow is causing, and if it's making a negative impact to the production on the field, yes, then let's be outraged by the spiral ramp. 
But my God, man, it's not. That's not the case. People are acting like it. It completely changes the entire team and how they perform on Sundays. Someone on Twitter debated with me about that spiral ramp with Community America and said, "Oh, it's not just that. It's even in the corner of one of the stadiums. Open, uh, you know, you can see it in the open." Okay. Um, when it's packed, everyone's going to be wearing red, so you're not going to notice. And even last year when it was limited capacity, you still could not notice it because the red seats just completely make it hard to notice a small Community America sign on the walls of somewhere on the stadium, I guess. I don't know what damn corner it's out, but wherever it is, I don't notice it. I never have. Um, look at how people get outraged over some certain things. National anthem protests. People still voice their opinions outside of the. Uh, b- by the way, w- when I say this, I'm talking about uh, athletes who are still speaking out outside of the national anthem rather than kneeling. They still get criticized for it. So it doesn't matter if they were kneeling or if they were not kneeling and saying this elsewhere. They still get outraged by this. But anyway, national anthem protesting. That has outraged us. Um, even though there was a soul, like like we're choosing who to be outraged for. So in this case, it was American soldiers. Even though an American soldier wanted to stand beside Kaepernick when he did this, he encouraged Kaepernick to do this. And many soldiers have spoken and said they don't have an issue with this. Listen, man, there are many homeless veterans that, uh, I mean, they're just being mistreated. And the Westboro Baptist Church, they've done far worse things than athletes kneeling. Look at the way they've picketed uh, funerals of soldiers. That is worse. Yet we're not outraged by that. We're outraged by kneeling. Um, I mean, look, people have even tried to aggressively argue that Derek Chauvin kneeling on George Floyd's neck uh, is not as uh, offensive as the kneeling during the anthem. So in other words, they're saying that anthem kneeling is worse than the Derek Chavon kneel. That's a very interesting argument people are, have tried to make over the past year. Uh, so people are that offended by an anthem protest. You want us to be soft as hell. So let me, here's my point, by the way, because I know I got a little off topic there. We're offended over a new advertisement on a video board. We're offended by advertisements on spiral ramps. We're offended by a name change. We're offended by because Joe Biden and Tom Brady recently at the Super Bowl celebration at the White House, they made a joke uh, saying that nobody believed they won. Uh, we're offended by Dr. Seuss books. We're offended by Starbucks coffee cups. People are offended because Richard Sherman screamed in a post-game interview saying, oh, my kids saw that. Okay, sure. Your kid, by the way, he goes to school and he hears worse things. He puts on, he turns on his Xbox, puts on the headset, and plays Grand Theft Auto V or Call of Duty, and he hears worse things in the headset than what Richard Sherman said. Yet people, people are offended because Richard Sherman shouted in an interview and when he was talking about Crabtree. Here's the thing you've got to ask yourself, okay? Does any of this shit really impact you? The stuff you're pretending to be offended by. You're offended because Arrowhead Stadium now has a sign that says G-E-H-A feel at Arrowhead Stadium on one of their video boards, behind one of their video boards. You're offended by that. You're offended by a spiral ramp. You're offended by kneeling. You're offended by Patrick Mahomes saying wear a mask uh, for unvaccinated players. You're offended because the Cleveland Indians 
are changing their name. But does this impact you? Does this impact your family? Is this hurting anybody? Is this hurting anybody? Someone answered me this. Is anyone dying from any of these things here that we are so fucking soft and we're offended by this? Listen, man, I know. Look, I've been guilty of this, too. But I think over the past couple of years, especially with some of the things we've been dealing with in this country and in this world, I look back and I see all these people fighting over what they're offended by. And listen, if someone makes a, like, remember that freelance journalist, uh, the Ariana Grande uh, concert that happened in London and the bombing that took place? He was making jokes about uh, the, the terrorist attacks there. Like, that's offensive. Like, you don't, you don't make jokes about that shit. He was making weird Ariana Grande Starbucks jokes. I mean, like, first of all, you have to be 10 years old to make a joke like that. Um, second, it wasn't even funny. During such an insensitive, I mean, just an insensitive comment to make. Um, those are things that we should be getting upset about. Not GEHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium. Not the Cleveland Indians changing their name to the Guardians. Like, why are we offended by this? Why are we outraged by this? There are so many things in our country and in our world. And I know everyone listening is not from the United States. Some of you guys are outside the U.S. That's why I'm saying in our world. That are far worse than all the things that I've been mentioning that we are uh, upset about. Listen, all these topics I mentioned have sparked a big conversation and have led to angry reactions. Why? Someone tell me why. Like, you guys know my social media. Let me know why. Because I don't. Again, I'll ask the question again. Does this even impact you or your family? Is anyone dying or suffering from these changes that you're upset by? It's not for me. Maybe it is for some of you because you might be soft. Or maybe you're, you don't have your priorities in line. Because let me tell you what, all these things I mentioned, this, the Chiefs changing their the name of their stadium or adding a sponsor, whatever you want to call it, that doesn't impact me. I'm not going to lose sleep over this. I, I'm going to sleep the same way I did before the name change. Uh, I'm going to focus on my work the same way before. This is not going to distract me from being able to focus on important things in life. Uh, this is not going to occupy... Headspace for me for, yeah, by the way, the, the Cleveland Indians name change, that happened two weeks ago, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was July the 30th, okay? Yeah, okay, well, almost a week and a half ago. We're a week and a half past it. No one's talking about this anymore. No one's offended anymore by this. So it's just fake outrage. I'll end on this. I I was doing research on this topic and I found a meme I came across. Here's what the meme says. Guess what happens after you're offended? Nothing. That's it. Now be an adult and move on. And I think that's the best way to end it here. Appreciate you guys downloading and listening to this episode of Farscast. Been a while since I've done a podcast. I wanted to do, do one today. So many topics I wanted to talk about uh, just get off my chest here, uh, which I was able to do. So I appreciate those of you who listened. Uh, I'm going to have Zach and DJ join me on the podcast this week. I don't have any guests planned anytime soon, but I will 
in the next week or two. I'll start to get that going again. Uh, probably do this weekly or by uh, or every other week, um, bi-monthly, whatever. Uh, definitely looking forward to getting the wheels turning on this again. Uh, we'll talk football. We'll talk uh, sports, entertainment, politics, whatever. Uh, I'll have several different guests on uh, in the in the near near future. I'll definitely work on that. But appreciate you guys being patient, waiting for the podcast. Now that it's out, uh, a new podcast is out. A new podcast will be out again next Monday. Like I said, Zach and DJ will be on. We'll actually broadcast it live on my Facebook page. So if you want to tune in and listen Sunday evening, I don't know exactly what time, but facebook.com slash Farzim Vasugan is my Facebook page. Follow me on Facebook, and we will do a live podcast next Sunday night. If you can't watch it live or listen live, we'll upload it on uh, Sunday or uh, Monday morning, and you'll be able to catch it then. Appreciate you guys listening. I'm Farzim Vesugian. Enjoy your week. Stay safe. Be nice to each other. Don't get offended over something stupid. Until then, talk to you guys next week.